if you want to truly grow up into this marvelous light, then you and I ought to long for the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And what we do know is that the more that we choose to taste of the Lord, the more that we long for Him to strengthen us and sustain us, the more of an appetite we grow for righteousness and holiness. So you and I must truly seek, we must truly pursue the Lord, and what will happen is that we will constantly crave and crave and crave. I don't know if you've ever tried to eat, has anyone ever eaten um, I forget the brand, but we bought it one time, and it's horrible. Uh, natural peanut butter. See, I, I like Jif Creamy, and uh, it's not very healthy for you. So I thought, okay, we're you know we're we're ravaging our cabinets of all of the dyes and all of these horrific things and all the things I grew up on and Michaela grew up on. You know, we're just robbing our kids from from all enjoyments of life. And I go get. Uh, this natural peanut butter and it has like the water on the top. I don't know what that is, uh, but just make sure you mix it up really good uh, because it's oil. Uh, I got all the oil I need, right? Um, it's not anointing oil. So don't be trying to take that and, and say, okay, God bless this food. But I remember trying this peanut butter and the doctors say, the professionals say, that the more you eat of it, your taste buds and your cravings will change to adjust to it. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, right? Um, I have not had Michaela's peanut butter cookies made out of this nasty uh, mud that they call peanut butter. But anyway, what I'm saying is we have eaten the Jif no sugar added creamy peanut butter, and I can kind of do it. And the whole time I will smell the creamy regular GIF, the, the, you know, anointed GIF, uh, I'll call it. And, and then I'll hurry up and I'll just scarf down this bagel with peanut butter. But what happens is I've noticed that as a child, I hated anything green really. And I now crave vegetables and I hated different foods growing up. But the more that I ate of them and the more that I disciplined myself to not eat all of the sweets, the more that I can tolerate and actually now crave good, healthy, satisfying Foods And the same is with godliness versus worldliness. If you want to truly get away from the cravings of worldliness, you have to taste and seek and pursue and want godliness. In order for you to truly get away from that, if there are things in your life that you're struggling with and you can't quite break the stronghold of this addiction or of this lifestyle or this habit or this thought pattern, then what you have to do is you have to discipline yourself to do something different. And maybe that is seeking of the Lord and tasting of the Lord and trusting in the Lord to strengthen you, to sustain you, and to truly satisfy you where you're going to this thing or to that habit in order to feel satisfied. So if you want to truly be a holy person, if we want to truly walk out this holy life that God is calling us to, we must discipline ourselves in such a way to where we put to death, put away, get away from, clean our house of, and get rid of all worldliness. Now, does this mean you're never going to sin again? I wish, right? But no, certainly not. You're going to fall short. Some of you are going to fall short on your way home. How do I know that? Because the ultimate Sunday question comes up, what do you want for lunch? One of you is going to be undecided. The other one's going to make the decision, but it's wrong. Okay. And then you're going to hear about it the rest of the evening. So so all of us are going to fall short. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to sin. But the 
point is that you and I ought to be broken by our sinfulness, and we should be in constant pursuit of holiness, righteousness, godliness. So we go to verse 4, and he says, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are living stones. And he goes on to talk about how you and I are being called, how we are being identified, being built up as a spiritual house, being identified as his people, being identified as a chosen people, being identified as a royal priesthood, being identified as a holy nation. That is our role on earth, to be and to live holy for him. Now, this role comes with responsibility, though. So let me just share a couple of these responsibilities that we take part in when it comes to this role of being his people on the earth. See, something I said last week was that if you do not feel different when you walk this earth, if you just fit in with all the other sinners, there is a grave reality that you may be still living in the world. But the more that you seek the Lord, the more that you live for God, the more that you pursue holiness and righteousness, you're going to constantly feel more and more like an outcast or an exile. And we have responsibility as his people to navigate the rest of our lives in this waiting time as exiles because we are not called to fit in with the world. We are not called to mold our church to be catchy or trendy or attractive to the world. There are going to be times where it may engage the world, but we are to be set apart from the world. You and I individually and us corporately are to be set apart. So you and I must never grow comfortable nor complacent. So what do, we, what do we grow comfortable in? You and I must never grow comfortable in the cravings and the habits of this world. We must never grow comfortable in our tolerance or participation in sinfulness. So what that means is you and I cannot grow comfortable or just become numb to sinfulness that creeps up in our lives or tolerate sinfulness that we engage in. We must truly put away, we must put to death all forms of it. We must also not grow complacent and neglect our responsibility to be ambassadors of Christ, to declare of his excellencies of the world. We must not assume that someone else is just going to do it for us, that you and I are called to be his people. We are called to live as his people, and we are called to proclaim, Peter says, the excellencies of him. Why? Because he called us out of this darkness into his what? Marvelous light. A light that we don't understand, but we have been bought by the blood of the Lamb and we have been called out of. We cannot assume that the church is going to train up and disciple our kids. Because we get them for an hour a week, maybe two if we're lucky. You cannot assume that the, uh, that the public school system or the private school system that you send your kids to are going to educate or inform your kids as well as you as parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles have the authority to do so. We are called to not neglect our responsibility or grow complacent in just sitting where we are. We are called to step out and sacrifice by proclaiming of His excellencies. You and I must grow in contrast, however, to the people of the world. And we must grow constantly challenging ourselves to grow, not just apart from the world, but grow in courageous 
ambition of saving the world around us. Because if we were to all be honest, if you were to just raise your hand, do you know people that do not know the Lord? You can just raise your hand if you do. What are we doing about it? Are we investing and sacrificing of our own time and our own energy to ensure that they hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ so that they can also be brought out of this darkness? So we must never neglect our responsibility as his people. We must never grow comfortable in the sinfulness around us. And something that I I mentioned a lot here as you were listening to me just a second ago, I used the word identify as his people, identified as his chosen people, identified as a royal priesthood. We live in a day where people are looking at the affirmation of others to affirm their own individual identity. We live in a day and age where we truly see an identity crisis wreaking havoc all over the world. People are looking at the affirmation of others to also grasp their own worth on earth. And here's what I want want you all to know is there is only one identity that you should be concerned about. There's only one. It is the identity as a child of the Lord. That's the only identity that I'm genuinely concerned about, uh, whether whether that be whatever identity or whatever worth, worth people could put on me or label me as, that is the only identity that you and I should long for is the identity as his people, as his son or as his daughter. Now, this identity can never be affirmed by the mouths of mortal men. It can never be affirmed by your neighbor. It can never be affirmed by a politician. It can never be affirmed by an activist. It can never be affirmed by anyone other than the Lord himself. And he affirms this identity as his people by the precious blood of the Lamb. That is how you and I are actually to be identified as his people. He is able to affirm it and to pour it out and then to draw us out of our brokenness, out of our darkness and bring us into his marvelous light. This is why we ought to the rest of our lives go forth preaching of this mercy that we have received. If we could grasp the the immeasurable riches of his mercy and his grace, you and I would never shut up for the sake of Jesus. But because our feeble little minds can never grasp it, not just you, I'm speaking of myself, we can never grasp the weight of his sacrifice on our behalf. We can never truly measure the mercy that we have received just to be here today and be able to speak or be able to listen to a sermon or speak a sermon or to lead a life group or anything that we do whenever it comes into the church world, if we understood the weight of that sacrifice and understood the purchase of by the precious blood of the Lamb, you and I would go forth proclaiming His excellencies forever because we have received mercy. But it's not something we can receive like an engagement ring. We can look at the ticket sale on an engagement ring and measure it a little bit. We can measure the dinner or the vacation by the amount of debt we're now in or the amount of money we wasted. Or we can look at things that we purchase for people, things that we share with one another, and we can measure what it took to actually participate in or enjoy that. But we cannot measure 
the love of God for his people. So here's my challenge for you to never stop proclaiming of the immeasurable riches of his mercy and to constantly proclaim the excellencies of him who called you individually and us corporately, collectively out of our brokenness and out of our darkness. And lastly, he says, beloved, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul and keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that you, when they speak against you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. Kind of similar to what Jesus said whenever he said, let your light shine before others. Why? So they may see your good works, they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So lastly, I challenge all of us, if we want to truly live as his people, we got to put to death all of our sinfulness. And the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God are going to come and they are going to cultivate within us a sense of sinfulness and repentance. And then we will constantly grow in it. You and I are to live as his people. We are to put to death all of our sinfulness. Got it. We are to live as his people being built up as living stones that into this you know, precious spiritual house to where we can actually offer things that are pleasing to the Lord. Uh, we can't offer anything pleasing or acceptable to the Lord on our own strength. It's only by being made up in him and being purchased by his blood and being saved out of our darkness by him and being recipients of this amazing, immeasurable mercy from him. So, so we are to constantly proclaim of his goodness as he has saved us and he's building us and he's changing us and he's redeeming us. He's restoring us. So, so we get that. But then he goes on to say, lastly, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visit, which is saying live in such a way that people have nothing bad to say about you. Live in such a way that people have nothing bad to say about you. So let me just ask you, just, just do a self-analysis. You can, you can just look at yourself. Uh, you can even take out your camera app on your phone. I'm just kidding. If you were to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, do people say good or bad about you? What would your answer be? Do you live in such a way to where people see your good deeds and are drawn to the glory of your father and his, who is in heaven? Or do, do people see in you someone who is living in brokenness and darkness, sinfulness, and they have nothing good to see in us? So he says here, he says, beloved, I urge you to abstain from all of these passions of the flesh. Put them to death. They wage war against you. If you are weak and if you are not surrounded by strong people in your life, if you're not in his word, if you're not walking in step with his spirit, you will be defeated by these things. And he says, keep your conduct among them, the Gentiles, honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, They may see your good deeds and glorify God. They have nothing bad to say. They have nothing but good to say. They have nothing but possibly glorifying God themselves on his day of visitation. What Peter is saying is just like I said, what Jesus said, to let your light shine before others, live in such a way that they see your good deeds and what? They may glorify your father who is in heaven. 
So it is my responsibility as it is yours to live in such a way to where people only have to speak on the good deeds that they see rather than the sinfulness or the uncontrolled or the poor decision-making or the habits or the addictions or the lifestyles that go against God's word. So I would just end by asking you that. If you were to self-evaluate the way that you live right now, what are they speaking about us? What are they speaking about your life? Whenever people look at your life, are they seeing your good deeds and possibly being drawn to the Lord? Are people seeing your self-control and being drawn to the Lord? Are people seeing your bitterness and brokenness though, however, and, and having nothing good? Are they seeing your addictions? Are they seeing your your discipline? Or, I mean, there is a lot that people say and what people see. So you and I are responsible to live in such a way that people have nothing bad to say, but only speak about the goodness of the Lord. And as we close today, let me just remind you, all of this is to be done not in a boastful or religious way to where I can exalt myself above you. But if we understood the precious blood that was poured out on our behalf, we would be compelled to live holy all the days of our lives. If you and I understood the precious blood of the Lord, and if we understood the immeasurable mercy that he has offered and extended to us, you and I would be compelled to live differently, set apart and holy all the days of our lives because people ought to look at you and not be able to identify you as the world. They ought to be able to look at you. They ought to be able to look at me and identify us as his children. There should be evidence to our claim of being his people. Is there evidence are people seeing your good deeds? And what I would do today is if you are here and you are constantly living in sin, knowing it is wrong, I plead with you to repent of those sins. Put all of those sins to death and come to the Lord as he is drawing you out of your darkness into his marvelous light. So that people can see you and also be drawn to the light. Let us pray. Father, as we come to this very moment in our day, this very second of our time, I just pray that we would all evaluate the way that we live. And if we call ourselves your people, do we live in such a way? Does our conduct confirm our claim as your child, as your son, or as your daughter? Or does our conduct live in such a way that it is hypocrisy to our claim in which Peter told us that we are to put all of that away. And Lord, I just pray that as we all sit here today, as we all consider the fact that you have called us to be holy, that you've called us to put to death all of these sins so that we could truly taste of your goodness and trust in you and to be strengthened and sustained by you, that we would live in such a way that people were People are able to look at us and have nothing but good things to speak on our behalf. I pray that all of us would truly evaluate the way that we live. 
and change what needs to be changed. Repent of what needs to be repented of. Putting to death things that constantly kill us. I pray that we would never grow comfortable in our own sinfulness at the expense of our soul.